You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. And our masterclass for today, we're talking about the importance of technicalities and procedures in a criminal case. And we are joined by Ntabiseng Dubazana, Director of Dubazana Attorneys and Criminal Lawyer as well. And Ntabiseng, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you for having me, guys. So, okay. Yes. <clears throat> People say every time I start with so, <laughs> I'm about to umgozify, but I think the so is my excitement yeah. at getting answers because there are so many high profile cases that range from sexual assault to murder mm. to um, even situations of fraud, yes. your more white collar crimes. So, for the purposes of today, for those of you that would like to ask questions, we are dealing with criminal law specifically. So, not like hey, in a defamation, no, specifically <laughs> criminal law, of which there are, I don't know, legally, do they call it smaller offenses? Or more serious offences? How do they refer there's, to it? There's a more serious offence and then yes. there's just offence. Okay. You can't really say, even though in the context of the whole thing, it might be a lesser crime. Yes. But at the end of the day, all you'll hear the prosecutors when they argue at the end of each trial, they'll be like, theft is a serious crime in our country. Yes. So every crime is serious, but there are degrees to this thing. Okay, so let's let's start with the very basics. We're talking now... Law 101, Module 1, first year, <laughs> you know. What is the purpose of technicalities and procedures and why do they need to be followed? Because many a time yeah. we will say, but I saw him, so why are you not just putting him in jail? So this is what I love about criminal law, unlike civil law. It's, on, uh, it's, not, a, it's not on a balance of probabilities. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. And, and just so we can clarify for all of the listeners, when we say balance of probabilities, we're speaking of it is more likely that what Ntabi Singh is saying in, is true mm. versus Rilebukhile. Yes. As in, it's more likely. Correct. As opposed to criminal law, which, what, how do you have to win a case? Beyond a reasonable doubt. There must not be anything that may, I may assume there's a possibility mm. that Rilebukhile is correct. If I have that possibility that she's correct, mm. I have to acquit as a presiding officer. Mm. But if based on the evidence before me, there is nothing on the evidence that says that there's a chance that Rilewile is innocent, then I have to convict. So if we look at our history, where many people, not even that they were found guilty, they were punished for crimes that they were completely innocent of. And this is not just specifically South African history. We've seen it in the US. Mm. We've seen so many cases. I think one of the most recent ones was in Japan, where a person was sitting on death row for a couple of decades, only later that it is found that, oh, new evidence has has come to light. Mm. So taking the history (coughs) into context. Yeah. Why, again, are those procedures so important? So let's go back to the dawn of our democracy, particularly the, the Makwanyani case. Rainbow Nation. You know, <laughs> so S versus Makwanyani was a pivotal case at the mm. time because the accused, Makwanyani, was sentenced to life, in fact, death, to be precise. Mm. And it was at the dawn of the constitution, which was still the, the draft constitution, the 1994 version, mm. before it was finally endorsed in 1996. Mm. So the right of life was now 
properly discussed and seeing what evidence that was put before the court would allow for such a sentence to be carried out and also weighing against the right of life that is now being endorsed in our constitution. Mm. So the importance of these technicalities is to ensure that the court doesn't convict the wrong person, one. Two, um, the state has to ensure that the investigations are on point. And three, you as the defense attorney have to ensure that you, there's a, there's a box that you tick in terms mm. of each crime. It has its own elements. That's why each crime, the, the prosecutor has to fulfill each element. If one element of that crime is missing, you can't convict me. So, so even, even beyond conviction, yes. some people will wonder, but why is this person not getting arrested? Yeah. So when, for example, the NPA says, we're not ready, is that sort of where that also falls into place? Because to the public, it might seem like, but this person is on camera. Mm. So they can't actually let the train leave the station until certain things are in place. That is Because correct. you only get one chance. Yes. Yes, because if the accused is found not guilty at the end of the day, you can't recharge him with the same crime. It's not, it's not allowed in our law. What's that term called again? Can I be, can I be strong? There's a term. There's a term. It escapes my mind. Uh, one of the listeners will yes. know and they'll WhatsApp us. But the term <laughs> yes. which says you cannot be tried no. for the same um, crime twice. Crime twice. So yes. you have to get it right. Okay. Yes. So that already answers why sometimes when something is trending on Twitter and it is obvious to our eyes mm. that this person did it. Yeah. Whatever it is, be it stole a sweets or murdered a person. Correct. They cannot move immediately because they need to ensure that everything is in place. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what happens in the beginning stages of an investigation, it would be that the complainant, Wanderlewahili, goes to the NP to the police station to open a docket. Then a CAS number is assigned to that docket, a CAS number. Mm. And then um, then your, your statement, as it's, written, it's named A1. The A1 statement is then put into the docket, which explains what happened. So you'll be pointing... What is the A1 statement? It's your statement as the complainant. So we're assuming in the context of this particular criminal case yes. is where you yourself are going to report. We're Correct. not talking about somebody died. Yes. So so it's not like a mother can go and say, but my son was killed, I need to open. No. So this is now we're just assuming on the fact that you as the complainant are the one who's going to open a, okay. a criminal charge. Right. So just to pause there for a second so that we, we, we differentiate. Yes. There are certain uh, uh, crimes where it is automatic that the police will step in, 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 into this. It's a police matter, whether you like it or not. So you can't say, um, well, my brother shot his wife by mistake. Mm. Don't worry. We resolved it as a family. There's certain things in this country that whether you like it or not, it is going to follow the process. But there are other things where if somebody isn't, opening the case, it, nothing will happen. Correct. So okay. in such a situation where there is a deceased, mm. the, the police open what we call an inquest docket. Okay. Right? So that inquest docket is wherein they are inquiring on what happened so they can try and connect the dots mm. and see how it ended up to saying and me dying on that day mm. in question. Once they've gathered all that evidence, they then take it to the uh, to the SPP of any particular court in the area of jurisdiction where the crime what happened. What is the SPP? The Senior Public Prosecutor. <laughs> 
sorry. Okay, no, but we also want to <laughs> yes. learn the lingo. We yes. must leave this master crossing the SPP. Wabona. Yes. <laughs> so they, they take that docket to the SPP of that mm. court, and then the SPP goes through it. And if there is sufficient evidence pointing to a Rilewohili that she was present on the day in question, she was the last person to communicate with the deceased and all of those. And if there's other two people, for example, who are there, then an inquiry is held. It is not open court per se. It mm. is between the magistrate and the three uh, suspects, where now it's an informal procedure trying to understand what actually happened. This usually happens a lot in culpable homicide matters like car accidents and all of those things, even murder, of course. Mm. And then... Um, once the, the, the magistrate has done this informal um, inquiry mm. and says, based on the evidence that he or she would have heard, it is not sufficient to say specifically one of these three is to blame, then it ends there. It doesn't go any further. It means that there were, there's really no one to blame for that death, right? But now, and this is the part that's confusing. Yes. Again, for all of us as the public, you may not have experienced it in your own personal life. So let's say... There is a death, but it's mysterious. Mm. So we can't explain a group of people were there. So it's not an obvious murder. It wasn't like a gunshot or anything. Somebody just collapsed. Yeah. But the dots aren't coming together. Are you saying if the SPP says I, there's not enough evidence and an autopsy doesn't reveal anything glaringly obvious, it's going to be left there? It's going to be left there. So it's not going to be like CSI where the one guy says, ah. no, there's something. I'm going back to the sea. Why though, South Africa? Unfortunately, we don't have that kind of sophisticated investigation tools in our country. So, are if, you talking about psychological? I mean, everything. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, everything. The money, the the the, the from beginning to end in jail. <laughs> like it's a problem. In, in like it's a yes, problem, and yes. you know, trying to get um reports back from the lab is a nightmare for example if you get stopped at a roadblock mm. and then they draw your blood because they assume you're under the influence of alcohol mm. you know it can take up to two years for us to get that back now imagine getting a kid back a rape <laughs> yo imagine getting an autopsy report back and and i know and i know the laughter is not because it's no. funny it's because that's how sad it's frustrating. it is so let's now go back to because we're speaking about a yes. death which is an obvious one yes let's speak about if somebody has been rushed to the hospital mm. right and somebody comes in with an injury be it a gunshot be it something is it their duty to call the police to say this doesn't look like an accident or accident or not? They must call the police to come in to say what happened so they can see if there is a criminal offense or not. Definitely with a gunshot wound, the police have to be called. That um, is a guarantee. And stabbing wound? Stabbing wounds and other injuries? Nah, what? it's not a must. It's not a must. Even a stabbing wound? No, not really. It hasn't become legislature that it is a must that a person, the SAPS has to be called in if Ntabi Singh is rushed into ER with, a, with like 15 stab wounds on her body. It's not a must. In the Why? event that you survive, then you can go and open a case of assault GBH or uh, attempted murder, depending on how serious your wounds are. I'm so shocked. Yeah. So outside of gunshot, would you being in a coma qualify 
as the police being called. So let's say you come in with stab wounds, which is not legislated as an automatic call the police, but you're not awake to relay what happened. So your family's there. They don't know if the hospital doesn't call, which I would assume they should call. Your family can call and say, we don't know what happened. Yes, they can do that. The cops can be called. I actually had a case like that. And um, the the complainant was in a coma for six months. Mm. And at the time, what we did, I'm a defense attorney at the end of the day, right? So after three months, we keep postponing for further investigations. We, what is the investigation? We are waiting for the complainant to wake up so that we can get the version of events from the complainant. I'm going to request the matter to be struck off the roll until you can get your house in order as the state, which means that you get all your investigations done. Then when you're ready, you can bring my client back into court by way of subpoena, and then we can continue this. Uh, it was struck off the roll. When I left that, that company, the matter was still not on the roll. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. if the complainant died or not, or when they woke up, they chose not to continue with the matter. Mm. But that is basically the gist, because six months is usually the given period for a trial matter, for a criminal matter from beginning to end to be finalized. But because of these investigations that mm. take forever, it keeps going and going and going. And then, you know, eventually you have to, at the end of the day, protect your clients' rights. You have to invoke section 342a um, which is basically saying court listen we understand the state is struggling with dna they're struggling with mm. whatever but at the same time my client's rights are being violated he can't ke- he or she can't keep coming to court without knowing what is happening mm. so rather let's let this matter be either provisionally withdrawn or struck from the role and then when it can be revived it can be brought back so and i and i hear you completely yeah. and, I, and i'm sure there are listeners who are like how can this woman so let's quickly explain the part about your role yes as a defense attorney yeah. which is your job is to protect your clients rights correct yeah? where does that line end and begin if you and uh, uh, keeping in mind that there is client i nearly said doctor patient client attorney privilege, attorney privilege yes. right that your client can actually confess to you yeah. because Usually attorneys will say, tell me what happened so that I can defend you. Correct. I can only defend you if I know the truth. Yes. So another person says, no, I did do it. Mm. Right. But your job is still to protect their rights. Correct. How do you, as Ntabi Singh, find that balance between going and be like, he did it versus <laughs> being like, hold on, hold on, uh, magistrate. Um, it seems that the, the, the crime scene was tampered with. Yeah. So we cannot... Uh, have any of this evidence admissible because the fingerprints will be inaccurate. Other people were touching, things were moved. Yeah. So from the onset, you need other to than Other than praying, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so from the onset, ethically speaking, I cannot defend somebody who confesses to actually having oh, committed really? a crime. So if they straight up say, I did it, get me off, you can't. I can't, ethically speaking. So in that case, is that where now you go and say, let's get a plea deal or a, a deal? Something like that. Okay. Right? So, but here's the thing. We, we get the docket content usually before we consult with our clients most of the time. So which is the copies from the state docket. So as in you get access to all the evidence they have. Yes. So they can't pull a what we see in legal drama series where they say, I'd like to bring a surprise witness and everyone goes Don't do that here. (laughs) 
the surprise witness that's going to throw the case, no. blow the case out yeah. of the So you know everything. Yes, but what I like to do, at least the way I choose to practice, is that when I first meet my client, we have a consult. Tell me your version of events. What happened, mm-hmm. right? Even if in that consultation it does come out that you have committed the crime, I still don't have access to the docket at that stage. Mm. Once the state gives me the copy of the docket, I now sit through it Mm. and sift through it and see if the state has done their due diligence. Mm. And if I go through the docket and I see that chain evidence has been broken, for example, Mm. and that happens so often, the second chain evidence is broken. Remember, it's not my responsibility to prove my client innocent. It is Mm. the state's duty to prove my client guilty guilty beyond Mm. a reasonable doubt. So before we even start trial, I go through the docket and I'm like, "Mm, chain evidence is broken here. When you say chain evidence, do you mean where the evidence traveled from the crime scene to get to the lab? Yes. So who touched it, how they touched it and all. Okay. So every person that touches whatever evidence has to make a statement to confirm that I touched a, a packet with you know, code number 1234 and that 1234 went to so-and-so all mm. the way to the end until the person who gives us the result of that particular package, mm. right? Mm. If the chain breaks at any stage there, it's already a lost cause for the state. Because mm. none of that... So just to clarify, when we say it's not admissible, right? Yeah. We are saying that even if somebody can explain... Why the why evidence was tampered with, and I'll give a very simple scenario: yeah. the evidence was tampered with, or the body was tampered with, because I was checking if the person is still alive. Yeah, that's a reasonable tampering of a crime scene, Correct. right? So, where is that fine line where there is a very good reason why evidence? So, let's say there was a phone next to the person. I check they're still alive. I don't have a phone. I grab their phone to call the police Mm. so i'm assuming if that information wasn't included then the evidence becomes inadmissible because you weren't told more or less like that okay okay but there are circumstances that are acceptable as to why evidence could have been tampered with yes so what we do is then raise it with the state well before the trial starts yes i mean like my guy there's something on A A four and A three. Explain to me what is going on there, and then they have to now go get their witness and say what happened here. And if mm. witness cannot explain what happened, mm. they have no choice but to withdraw. And oh wow, that's the end of the that's the end of the road. Because if they re-enroll the matter with a new statement, it means it's te- it's, it's now fabricated evidence. Because where was the statement all along? Mm. Now three years later. With a date at 2023 when the matter happened in 2015. Mm. What is this? You know? So this is where usually most crimes, they fall apart and nothing comes of that situation. Yo. Mm, mm. This masterclass will be continuing. 011-883-0702. Masterclass. All right, we continue with our masterclass on the importance of technicalities and procedures in a criminal law case. And we take your calls on 011-883-0702 and 072-7021-702. There is a lot of information we need to get through because we aren't in the world of law. A lot of lingo. Um, but what we, what I'm going to do is jump to some of the questions that have come through and then we will pick up Benson in Freedom Park. How are you, Benson? I'm cool. And how are you doing? Good, good. Go ahead. Look, uh, my question was, is the state allowed 
during trial to investigate furthermore, uh, not considering um, um, to, the, to the evidence that has been brought before the magistrate in court. Do you, do you mean as in, is the state allowed during the trial, right, that if new information comes up, they can go and investigate, or as in the moment the trial started, the doors are closed? Is that what your question is? Exactly. During trial. Yes, yes. Um, Tabise? No, the state is not allowed to investigate once the trial has commenced. If they want to do that, they have to make a, a special application to the court and convince the court why this particular part of the investigation was not done prior to today. And then obviously the defense attorney is going to object to that. And then the presiding officer will make um, a decision to that. But strictly speaking, invest, once you state on record that the state is now ready to proceed to trial mm. and then we go to pre-trial phase and then we iron out the issues on the day that the accused person now pleads so pleading mm. is whether they're pleading guilty or not guilty the mm. second that the accused pleads that door is closed shut so what if and and maybe help us understand what would be an exception what if a witness comes out out of the woodworks who said to be honest i was not trying to come t- forward because i was afraid for my life would that be an exception that new evidence is only appearing now but that is outside of the state's control it would be but then it will will depend on what the presiding officer deems to be necessary for that trial obviously they don't have access my eyes are necessary i saw (laughs) you know like yeah yeah i hear you but then those the 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 state would have to work very hard to convince Mm. the court to allow that witness to come in i've got you i've got you in baklu go ahead Thank you, Rene for taking my call. Mm. Um, I'm just shocked at, at how things work. And mm. no wonder criminals are having a party. Uh, and uh, one wonders how are we going to get justice uh, against crime in this country? I, I just want to know um, thank you for the masterclass. Is this a trend globally or is this only happening in South Africa where in, uh, I feel like there is no capacity to fight crime? Mm, mm. And that's a good question. So maybe um, 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 just to open that question mm. up, some of the challenges that we are facing, are they unique to South Africa or are there countries where, yay, you won't even chew gum if it's illegal or cross the road the way things are watertight there? The majority of countries, states' resources are very underfunded. Mm. So the investigations that are there, you know, they take either too long, so much so that the accused persons even die, be, um, I mean, completely rather die before wow. seeing any justice happening so it's not unique to South Africa unfortunately there are some countries that have like you know a high sense of eradicating um, crime mm. but in in that it, it is also kind of tough when it comes to certain kinds of crimes especially that involve DNA because DNA does take some time to be analyzed and you need to have a specialized degree or competency to be able to analyze DNA so that's another thing that's another technicality that happens to come a lot in 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 trials now he isn't saying who says she's got um, a degree in forensic analysis and all of that and then when you probe deeper she doesn't have any of these things mm. and now evidence that you gave under evidence in chief for the state now falls away because you are not an expert in your fields oh mm-hmm. in orlando hi go ahead 
Yes, I can have you saying, but our criminal justice system is failing. What do the family, and what recourse does the family stand in the U.S. have? I mean, the man was murdered in front of eight people. Mm. And it's eight years since the trial. I mean, the trial is only beginning only last year, seven mm. years after the person. And it's a high person. What are we, the citizens of this country, supposed to think of this, our criminals that mm. we say, the prosecution in Haute? Can they lay maybe a civil claim because it's clear the criminal justice system is not prepared? And I, I, oh, that's a brilliant one. So, Ntabi Singh, do, do individuals have the route to go? So, if a person is failed by the criminal justice system, let's say they get off on a technicality, it wasn't even proven whether they were guilty or in- innocent, but in the case of Mepinki, where she says that somebody was killed in front of people and for whatever reason it didn't go through, mm. can you take it as a civil case? As the accused person, if you were found not guilty in mm. this regard, you have all the right to take this matter through the civil and you sue the state. Mm. You can sue them. There's one about, I think it was last year early, if not 2021. Um, this person was found guilty for rape and then he was, he spent seven years in custody. Eventually he, he he appealed. The appeal was upheld. He's now free. He sued the state for twenty million and succeeded. And that was a wrongful yes conviction. Ooh. So you know these the, the accused persons have a, a lot more room for suing mm. the state as the complainant. In, for example, in this Senzo Meiwa case, the family. Let's say at the end of this trial, the accused persons are found not guilty. Mm. There is very little to none of any recourse in terms of civil law because who are you going to sue? Mm, mm. Who are who, who Because the state did its job exactly. of following through on yeah. Who are you going to sue? And even if the people who were there and saw the, 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 the death, are you saying that they're the ones that killed them? What proof do you have that indeed this happened? But based on what you said about the balance of probability, mm. so for example, I remember with the O. J. Simpson case, he was found not guilty in the criminal courts, yeah. but the family sued and they won. Mm. And OJ didn't pay a cent. And now the difference is winning in, in, in a civil case, you would maybe get a payout, but the, you're not seeing the person in jail. How does it work in South Africa? If I say, look, I think that the person is guilty and because the case has gone through and for whatever reason, the person was not found guilty or it stopped some, somewhere, but I'm sure and I'm submitting my evidence here. Here's a video. As my defense, as the accused person, as, as you're, you, you're I'm defending going to, the client. Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm going to use the criminal case as a defense. But what if you're not the same attorney? That was in the, so they just say, no. but, the, the, but the state found him not guilty. The state found me not guilty. It doesn't have to be the same attorney. Remember, if yes. you, okay, the complainant is now saying that, you know what, the state has failed me, the accused persons are found not guilty. Now I want to sue mm. this particular person that I know was there mm. and, and committed this crime, right? Mm. And supplying videos and whatnot. Mm. That person can still go back to the same criminal matter and say, this is my defense. Mm. Because a, a court in this country found me not guilty. It is yet to happen in our court. I haven't c- come across a mm. case where a complainant sued the accused um, after they were found um, not guilty and then took it on, onto the civil route. I'm, I'm yet to see that happen. But mm. I would imagine that if it were to go that way, 
the first line of defense would be that criminal matter because it, the, the, the evidence was went, went through with a fine um, tooth comb. So in the event that um, the family wants to take things further because the victim in the case is now gone um, and now we're back in criminal court. Mm. So obviously it can you can keep escalating until it gets to the constitutional court. Yes. Once it gets to the constitutional court, of which we did do a series on the courts in the country, so head over to the podcast 702.co.za and you can listen out for what the purpose of the courts are. Once it gets to the constitutional court, are there cases where it has been ruled in the favor where they say we do find that X, therefore the family is correct and it just overrides the whole system? Has that happened in any of the cases in the country that it was not guilty, not guilty with every appeal until the final one where they say, actually, you are guilty. Yes, it happens more often than not. Um, so it would be the situation that we are currently in the high court. The accused persons are found not guilty. They appeal to the SCA. The difference between a trial starting afresh in the court of quo is that you are able to hear witnesses and then you can cross-examine people mm. and all of that. Once it starts going on appeal, you're only working on the transcripts and the papers. You're oh, not giving fresh so evidence. It's not, it's not starting from scratch no, each time? No. So you're only going to work on the papers and they're going to listen to transcripts, I mean read the, the transcripts and then they make a decision based on the papers. Mm. Not Not... It's starting from from scratch and then all the way to the constitutional court. Remember, each presiding officer views and interprets the law in a different way. So mm-hmm. that's why you will always get varying um, um, decisions or dissenting decisions in each court. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, it does happen that the accused may be, the conviction can be overturned, especially because the magistrate or the judge um, might be referencing different um, precedents yes. that might not have been presented even if you as the defense attorney knew the president but you're not bringing it because the state didn't mm, okay mm. okay let's take a quick break and then we come back to more of your questions 702 masterclass on this master class for today we talk about the importance of technicalities and procedures in a criminal law case we're joined by Ntabi Singh Dubazana director of Dubazana attorneys and criminal lawyer and we're taking your calls on 011 8830702 and your whatsapp messages on 072 7021702. Let us go straight to your voice notes. Hi, I just want to find out from your guest what happens with the DUI um, that still stays on the on the police's records. And, um, and meanwhile, you haven't had any summons or anything from the police to say that you must come to court. Um, what, what, what can one do in that case? Mohal from Jimiston, thanks. Mm, thank you, Mohal. And I'm sure there, there are many stages mm-hmm. to this thing. So maybe, um, can you take us from the part of, I've been pulled over, they tell me I'm o- over the limit and they write something, but then I don't hear anything. Yeah, I actually spoke on this recently. So what happens is that by law, there's a breathalyzer, right? That, yes. going to, that is not admit, admissible in court, by the way. But mm-hmm. in any event, you blow into really? that. Really? Yeah, no, because they, it's not um, conclusive proof that you were under the influence of alcohol. So it's only blood? Yes. So the breathalyzer is only there to say you need to come for us to exactly. take your blood. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's like a prima facie situation. So anyway, you you get you blow. It's above zero comma two four grams, and then they pull you on the side. Here's the thing that you need to know: their police 
are authorized to draw blood from you without your consent. What? So you can't be fighting now and say, don't draw my blood because now you're going to be facing two charges. One of, uh, what is this, uh, driving under the influence and then the other is resisting arrest. But, but hold on, how mm. can you charge me with driving under the influence if... If I allow and not encouraging anybody to do this, yes. but if enough time has passed that the reading is now inaccurate. So let's say I'm refusing. They do the breathalyzer and I'm refusing. Now they want to charge me with driving under the influence and defeating the ends of whatever they call it. Yeah. But by the time they draw the blood, it's too late. We think that's the difference with the blood Mm. And and breath. Mm. The breath, yes, has a has a time limit. I forgot what the time limit for it mm. is. With the blood, it's in it, the alcohol remains in your blood for seventy two hours. Oh, okay. So that's Understand. why it's important yes. that they draw the blood. So they will then take you to the nearest uh, public hospital, and then the nurse will then draw blood from you, and then they put it in the thingy. The whole chain evidence I was speaking about happens. Yes. This takes about nine to two years. Yo, so in the no, in, wait nine mm, months to two years. Yes. So in the interim, after they've drawn the blood, remember they haven't sent it to the lab. So now, um, because the breathalyzer said that you are under the influence, they have the right to detain you. So they give you the, when the, you go to the police station, you fill in the right sheet. It's a it's a, it's a white piece of paper that has uh, red and and black markings, mm. and then it writes there your case number and all of that, and then they give you a next date only if. You get arrested today and you appear in court tomorrow. So you hope you don't get arrested on a Friday. Please, because you're going to stay there until Monday. Oh, but God. there's also what we call police bail. The police can allow that you pay bail right then and there and then you go home and then they will issue you a, a subpoena um, to appear in court. If they don't issue a subpoena, they write on that um, form that you mm. have that you should appear in court on Monday so that the matter can be officially on the roll. But mm. if they choose not to do so, you have to wait until the blood results come back and then they will issue a subpoena. That's why I'm saying it takes nine to two years. So the fact that two years has passed or it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Your, your matter on, on the SCP 69, um, when you go check your fingerprints, mm. it shows as a pending matter. So you must still disclose if you're applying for a job that even if it's not, you haven't been convicted, yes. you must still disclose because they could call you. Please. Ooh, let's quickly go to Naledi in Germiston. Hi, Naledi. Hi, Yes, go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. I think in, at the beginning of the topic, you guys described or explained the different types of crimes. Mm. So I wanted to know, in South Africa, I don't know if it's me, can you please enlighten me? Why is it that if it's an ordinary South African and they commit a crime, they go through the, the, the court processes, but for politicians, they go to commissions. What's the difference? Okay. I and I, both stole money. That's a very, very good question. So which are the type of cases that qualify for commissions and which ones are straight up like this is a criminal case? You beat your wife, you whatever. They're not going to say, let's have a commission of, of inquiry. Yeah. So commissions of inquiry are situations whereby there is an obscene amount of money that was stolen, mm. but by different individuals. So they need to kind of connect the dots mm. in order to find out how this money went from here, there and everywhere. Mm. Remember when I said in the beginning that we don't have enough, um, what is this? 
intelligence, so to speak, to help us in these investigations. Mm. So the Commission of Inquiry is there to, is a pseudo kind of court situation, mm. even though you're not going to be found guilty. And 90% of the time, unlike the one that we had, the Zondo Commission, towards the end, there was a gazetted thing by the president which said that evidence that was um, adduced there can be used to assist the NPA in what its is investigation. Adduced mean so presented, presented, and accepted. Yes. Okay. So, but in in essence, commissions of inquiry, whatever I say, they can't be used against me in a criminal criminal court. Mm. So usually, it's when it's that kind of situation. It's not clear if it's in Tavising or Lebuhilo who stole. So they need to kind of connect the dots, and then with that report, then they can take it. As, and, and submit that this is what we have found with this inquiry, and now we believe that so and so has a, a case to answer to, etc., etc. And is this only to do with public funds? Yes. Well, no. But usually, for our for for our country, thus far, it's been done mostly for public funds because there is one. Oh, it's an old case, man. Where the 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 company I forgot the company name there. They child the pension funds of, of children and, and, and pensioners and all mm. of that. And the person to date is still not behind You see, this, this is my issue with white-collar crime yeah. in this country, is that while we hold government to account and it's loud and it is big, mm. I genuinely believe, and I'm not speaking factually based, that there is more money being stolen in corporate South Africa than there is in the public sector. There is significantly more money. And just because we see a list here and there of this billionaire has these... Com- Not everybody lists their things. Mm. They are very, very wealthy people hiding in plain sight, siphoning off bits of money. Okay, yo, we've run out of time. <laughs> a quick question. Why did the state versus Makwanyani apply retrospectively? Because the accused were already sentenced then, and then they said the word you're looking for is double jeopardy. Thank there you so go. much, Lucky in Pretoria East. So why did they apply it retrospectively? The main reason for the court to do that was in order to ensure that when the constitution eventually was ordained, like properly put into, into place, that the right of life had been thoroughly um, mm. encompassed. So the people, by, by virtue of versus Makwenya and everybody else who was sentenced mm. to, to, to death by that time, mm. because now the right of life had been endorsed, they could not now be killed as, yes. a, as a result. So they don't say those of you that were going to die were still going to kill you. Yes. It was a going forward, everyone who was sentenced to, to, to death, you're now going to serve life. I, I'll make an example. Recently, there was a decision where in, um, no, it's not even recently, it's in the Bear case, 2004. It, it has nothing to do with this matter, but it was a situation whereby uh, women who are married under customary law couldn't inherit period before. And in the, that was in the past. From mm. that day, 2004, when the Bear case was decided, it applied retrospectively. Beautiful. Yeah. Listen, I wish we could have you for so much longer. There's so many uh, things we didn't cover. And I think there is a lot to learn as the South African public. I am disheartened by the realities we're facing, but I'm also hopeful people like you will do the right thing.